We launched Kelly Clarkson. Kelly's probably one of the most humble, down to earth, came on, helped with content, helped with budget, PR, set, marketing, all of that stuff. And listen, it's not very difficult to launch a show like Kelly because she's such an extremely talented talent. She's just real, right? She's America's first idol. Welcome to Lead With Your Brand, the podcast that explores exceptional career success stories, inspiring and insightful personal brand journeys that answer the question, are you coffee or are you Starbucks? Fascinating conversations with leaders about their career breakthroughs from entertainment, tech, media, and more. You'll learn how they've turned up the volume on their brand to unlock success. Firsthand, uncensored, and real, as told by people who've been there, and plenty of inspiration and practical tools to help you lead with your brand every day as you drive towards your next career breakthrough. And now, here's your host, personal branding expert, diversity advocate, and keynote speaker, Jason Patria. Hey everybody, Jason Patria here, and you are listening to the Lead With Your Brand podcast, which is the podcast for folks just like you who are looking to turn up the volume, show your value, and lead with your brand to your next career breakthrough. Well, we have an amazing show for you today. I've got an old friend, Richard Borjas, who is the showrunner and CEO of Bormont Enterprises and was recently responsible for the overall creative and execution of Red Table Talk, the Estefans on Facebook. But before we get to Richard, I want to talk a little bit about your brand attributes. Now, you know those brand attributes are those descriptors that define your brand and create your word bank that you use to describe yourself both in person when talking as well as online in places like LinkedIn or resumes or even your annual performance review that you document at your company. Now, it is spring break, so I spent the week in Orlando, Florida at the fabulous Universal Orlando Resort. Now, I was honored to return for the third time to talk Lead With Your Brand at Stretch, which is Universal's six-month cohort program for their high-potential leaders who are on the executive development track. Now, most of you know that I got my foot in the door in Hollywood working here at Universal. Universal Studios Hollywood and overseas at Universal Studios Japan theme parks. So I just can't go to Orlando and speak. Of course, I have to go and experience the parks. Now, when I was at Universal, I had a chance to go and visit the amazing Islands of Adventure theme park. And I was walking through their Marvel superhero island where I rode some of the great attractions like the Incredible Hulk coaster and the amazing adventure of Spider-Man. And it made me think about supersizing those brand attributes. You know, I always talk about supersizing your words so that you're not a commodity like coffee, that you're a super premium brand like Starbucks. And when I was with those superheroes, I really thought about supersizing those brand attributes in terms of superpowers. So when I was writing The Amazing Adventures of Spider-Man, it made me think about Spider-Man and, and Peter Parker and those amazing 
amazing superpowers. Now, you know Superman's strength and agility stand far above those of the average human. In fact, he can lift nearly 10 tons and leap and move at incredible speeds with high accuracy. Plus, he's got that inner spidey sense that allows him to have this high degree of awareness of impending danger and to gauge the threat level not only to him personally, but the people that he's looking to serve. Plus, he's this super smart brainiac guy that creates contraptions like his web slingers. Now, these are all of Spider-Man's superpowers, right? These are the things that really become his tailwinds, right? Now, your tailwinds in those brand attributes, those are those words that are propelling you forward. They help you get to your destination quicker, faster, and more efficiently. And ultimately, those tailwinds or superpowers have become Spider-Man's calling card as a superhero. Now, I also have the chance to ride on Doctor Doom's Fearfall at Islands of Adventure, where I was literally dropped 185 feet faster than the force of gravity, and it made me think all about our concept of headwinds. Now, you know I always talk about headwinds because those are some of those descriptors that get in our way, right? People use them about us. People see us behave in a certain way. And those one or two headwinds actually trump those amazing tailwinds that are our superpowers, right? They get in the way because they slow us down. And quite frankly, they create brand drag. So let's talk a little bit about Dr. Doom. Now, Dr. Doom is also a genius guy. I mean, like Peter Parker and Spider-Man, he is a genius at technology, right? And he's super smart, but he also has these mystical, magical powers and is this ultimate uh, political diplomat as the head of his own sort of country. Now, you would think that those are great superpowers, which they certainly are. But when you think about Dr. Doom, he's not the type of person that we want on our side. He's not a friend. He's not even someone that we want to see, right? Because he stands for bad things. Now, quite frankly, Dr. Doom's tailwinds, which should be great, those tailwind superpowers have gotten so intense and used with such bad intent that suddenly his superpowers that are his tailwinds have become his headwinds. They're actually the things that are getting in his way of truly being successful, right? They're getting in his way of people wanting to interact with him for reasons that they want to versus being forced. So, I want you to take a look at your own superpowers. I want you to think of which superpower brand attributes you want to lead with. I want to make sure that you are being strategic because remember, sometimes those amazing tailwind superpowers, when you overuse them or when you use them with ill intent, they actually become those headwinds that drag you back. So think for yourself, what is one of your amazing superpowers that might sometimes be getting in your way? Now, I want you to start thinking and being strategic. Your brand needs to not just be authentic. No, it also needs to be about leading with your best authentic self, which is truly in service of others in your career audience. So 
hanging out at that Marvel superhero island, it made me think about some of my superpowers, right? I love being a showman. I love being a super connector. But you know what? Sometimes if I'm putting too much energy into that, too much intensity, sometimes my showman comes across as arrogant or corny or fake, right? Same thing with my super connector power. Sometimes when I'm connecting so much and bringing people together, people see me as fake, right? Or shallow and over-networked and just trying to be popular. So it really is all about moderating and making sure that you are using the right behavior at the right time with the right level of intensity. All right. Well, let's get to our guest. I am thrilled to have Richard Borjas on the show today. Now, he is the showrunner and CEO of Bormont Enterprises and was recently responsible for the overall creative and execution of Red Table Talk, the Estefans on Facebook. Now, prior to that, he was the vice president programming and development at NBC Universal Domestic Television Distribution. In that role, he developed original programs and formats to help create a robust slate of projects and manage the daily creative affairs for a number of popular shows, including The Kelly Clarkson Show, Access, and Access Live. Now, Richard previously served as the vice president of production for Telemundo, where he oversaw the development and production of multiple programs for the network, including its morning program, Un Nuevo Dia, for which he won a Daytime Emmy Award. In addition, throughout his amazing career, he's worked on a number of award-winning shows, including The Cristina Show and Good Morning America. I'll be back in just a few moments with Richard Borjas. For over 25 years, Jason has coached, trained, and developed thousands of leaders and executives, helping them achieve their next career breakthrough. He's a featured speaker at global conferences and companies to help everyone bring their best authentic self to work, show their value, and lead with their brand every day. Get more tips and tools at leadwithyourbrand.com. And we're back with today's fabulous guest. It is executive producer and showrunner, Richard Borjas. Hey, Richard, what's going on today? Hey, Jason. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super thrilled to uh, to be here because I want to talk all about your career and your brand. The same. And thank you so much. Now, Richard, you are an executive producer and showrunner, and I know you just recently wrapped the last season of Red Table Talk, the Estefans. So tell us about all of the exciting things that people should be watching if they haven't watched yet. Absolutely. Well, Red Table Talk is a wonderful brand. It was created in 2018 by Jada Pinkett, and she has the Mothership Show. They're in their fourth season. Uh, Red Table Talk, the Estefans, actually just wrapped season one. In 2020, the show launched in the midst of a pandemic, trying to fly people out here to South Florida, which is where I'm currently based out of again. Those first eight episodes, I was not a part of the show. I was still with NBC, but I joined the show last year and I was brought on to complete the first season and do an additional 12 episodes, Jason. And it was probably one of the most thrilling opportunities and just career you know, it, it was just really exciting. Working with the Estefans is amazing. They're extremely professional. Working for Westbrook, which is Jada and Will's uh, production company, was just top notch. And then, of course, partnering with Facebook, 
they were our network on this on this show. The show would air every Thursday. It started airing mid-September, and we finished, we wrapped December 23rd. So we completed 12 episodes. And what we were really trying to do was bring in more Latino content, more bicultural viewers, right? Of course, we were trying to target the younger demo, 18 to 25, that YA audience that we all love. And that is so important with brands, right? And advertisers. So, you know, we did a little bit of everything. Like we did a show, obviously, on the Surfside Building Collapse because it was in our backyard and it was just, it made sense. We did a show on Cuba and the whole crisis that's happening in Cuba, right? Of course, who else but Gloria, her daughter, Emily, and her niece, uh, Lily, to tackle that subject. We did a show on machismo, which is, you know, toxic masculinity. And we had... Canelo, uh, a very Mexican, you know, he's a, uh, he's a Mexican boxer, but he's very machista in the ring, right? All that testosterone. Yeah. And the ironic part, Jason, is that when he gets home, he's a total girl dad. And his daughter puts on, like, <laughs> nail polish on him and does little bows in his hair. And then we did another show on, like, double standard parenting. We had Becky G and Anita, and we were just talking about women in the Latina space, so we, we did a little bit of everything, and that was great about it. Like I said, we were able to do things in, in Spanish and English, although the majority of the show was in English. But the, the Red Table Talk brand in itself is all about conversations, right? It's three points of yeah. view. It's three different generations. And sometimes they don't always meet you know, in the middle, and that's what makes the show so unique. It's, it's not scripted at all. We obviously, from a producer standpoint, we had an amazing team. I, I worked with some of the best executives and some of the best producers and editors in the industry. Yeah, it was just, it was an amazing experience. I was really happy to be a part of it. And what was it like working with the Estefans who are like, you know, the holy grail of like know. celebrity families, right? Yeah, the Estefans are great. One of the most professional families I've ever worked with. Gloria's amazing. It was nice to be reunited with her. It had been a few years. And Emilio, her husband, of course, is always behind the scenes and bringing his producer skills and all the other talents he has to the table. Emily is extremely talented. Her daughter, part of the LGBT community, which is great. She's a performer. She's a singer songwriter. You name it. The girl's on fire, just like her mom. Uh, when we started the show, Gloria was actually filming a movie with Andy Garcia, a remake of, I think it's the, the wedding. I forget the name of it, but she was doing a movie with Andy Garcia. So we were having to work around her schedule from Atlanta <laughs> And then Lily, her niece, uh, Lilia Stefan, is a huge name in the industry. She has a show on Univision for about 25 years now called El Gordo y la Flaca, which is an entertainment show very similar to like an Access Hollywood or something of sort. So they're, they're great. I mean, they're hardworking. They roll up their sleeves. Gloria was an executive producer on the show as well. So, you know, we were always comparing notes on content and really, you know, being very selective on the topics that we would cover, that we knew that we're going to resonate with our community and that we're going to really make a difference, right? Like, you know, the first eight episodes before I joined the show, they did a show on depression. They did a show on Emily's coming out. They did a show on Lily's divorce and how she found out her husband was being unfaithful to her. They did a show on, there, there was a military uh, girl that was in a base in uh, Texas and she had been unfortunately killed. So they interviewed exclusively the mother. So, you know, we tried to carry through the same brand and just elevate it a little bit more in this, in this season. But the Estefans are extremely approachable, very friendly. They know, they know their stuff and they've been doing this for a minute. So it was a pleasure to work with them. And like I said, extremely professional. 
Yeah. And and you've been working in the entertainment and media business for over 20 years. But how did you first break in? How, how did you how did you get into this crazy business? That's a great question. So I'm very detail oriented. You know this about me because we've met a few times in person. And listen, I think everyone has their calling. And I had my calling. I was born and raised in Southern California. And I remember one of the first earthquakes I experienced. I was roughly about 13. I'm 45 now. I was in Pasadena. I was at a sushi restaurant with my sister and it started trembling. And then within a few minutes, I saw a cameraman and what was later a reporter, I figured out like setting up their sticks and like getting ready to do a live shot. I'm like, oh my God, what is that? I want to do that. So the inquisitive side of me, I went out. I'm like, what are you doing here? What's going on? And he's like, well, I'm a reporter. I'm about to go live and this and this and that. I'm like, instantly, I'm like, okay, that's what I want to do. And sure enough, I, uh, I studied broadcast journalism. I also thought at one point I was going to be a child psychologist, but no, TV is my thing. It's my passion. I actually studied to be in front of the camera, and I did do a few things in front of the camera. I speak both English and Spanish. So at the time, I was working for Univision, the Cristina show, or El Show de Cristina, which is basically like the Spanish opera, uh, Oprah, excuse me. I did that, and I said, no, you know, television is my thing, but I don't want to be in front of the camera. I want to stay behind the scenes. So... Luckily, I had the good fortune of I you know, was doing an internship there while still working and going to school full time. I finished the university and I graduated from FIU here and I'm, I'm actually part of their advisory board. I'm a, I'm a Florida Panther and uh, I love that university. They have a really good uh, you know, journalism program. And then I said, let me just kind of follow my heart. And you know, Univision offered me a full-time role. So I kind of, I started off as, I think I was a uh, I was an intern, then I became kind of like a production assistant, then uh, an associate producer, and so on and so forth. I kind of just worked my way up. But I started off in the audience department answering telephone lines and uh, doing research and doing whatever they would give me. Like, I'd go out on shoots and I'd log and, you know, I'd do research and all that stuff, right? But, um, Yeah. yeah, I started in 1996, to be exact. And here we are many years later. (laughs) <laughs> exactly. And when you look back over your career, what are a couple of those moments where you would say they were huge career breakthrough moments for you? Yeah, another great question. So, I mean, I've been doing this for a minute. And, you know, the good thing about where I'm at in my career right now, Jason, is that I pretty much at 45, I, I, like, I'm very fortunate to say I've done it all, right? Like by 31, <laughs> I, was, I was an executive producer, which was one of my goals. So I've EP'd and showrun, I've programmed, I've developed, I've been the executive for networks, I have had the weight of the show on my shoulders, I have done production management, I've been the EIC, which is executive in charge, I've done it in two languages, but I really enjoy producing, that's my strength, I'm a creative producer, and that's why this last role with the Estefans was so unique, because when I was with NBC, I was over Kelly, the Kelly Clarkson show, and Access Hollywood, And I was the NBC executive responsible for that show. And then I would also do programming, right? So that was fun and it was great. But being that like, you know, as producers, we're control freaks. You got to own it and I own it. And, you know, I'm very respectful and I've worked with some of the best talents, um, not just in front of the camera, but behind the scenes over at NBC. But getting back into the wheelhouse of producing and show running and being on set and being in post and helping shape the show and that narrative and making it come together is great. So this last role afforded me that, but going back to answer your question, some of the highlights in my career, I would definitely say was winning the Emmy. 
my, I, I won a daytime Emmy when I was with Telemundo, which is, um, you know, a division, you know, the Spanish arm of NBC. So I oversaw five hours of live television in my most recent role while I was with Telemundo. I was with Telemundo from 2011 until 2019 when I left NBC. But while I was there, I oversaw the morning show, which is like the Spanish version of the Today Show. It's called yeah. Un Nuevo Día. And I was also overseeing the show similar to Access Hollywood, right? So five hours of live television, as you can imagine, in a live setting, everything can go wrong, and it usually does. But going <laughs> up there with my team and going back to Pasadena, ironically, you know, for the nominations and winning, um, winning that daytime Emmy was probably one of the greatest highlights of my career because it just, it stands for teamwork. It stands for, okay, you've made it. You've been recognized by the Academy. You know, you're very thankful of all of your peers and everyone else that's there, but the Academy and, you know, the fans actually selected your work. And that's so fulfilling, right? Because at least for me, everything I put out there, every piece of content I touch, I do it just for that. It's not for ratings. For me, it's about content with a purpose, right? And takeaway. Yeah. So being recognized and winning, you know, an Emmy for your work was definitely a highlight in my career. Um, and one I will never forget. I uh, was nominated a few times, but I've only won once up to now. So wow. we're working on a second time. Exactly, exactly. And then I know after years of working out of South Florida at Univision and Telemundo and and for GMA, uh, you, you packed up your bags to come back out to Los Angeles to launch the Kelly Clarkson show and, and the revamp of Access Hollywood. So tell me a little bit about that choice and packing up everything and moving across country. Absolutely. Well, that's, that was, listen, a highlight of my career. I actually, I couldn't turn the offer down. I was looking for a change. I, I wanted to kind of continue to broaden my horizons, right? And the opportunity presented itself and they were looking for someone with my skill sets. So, you know, I jumped on board and moved cross country back to, back to LA, which is where I was from. And yeah, I, I worked with, you know, Tracy Wilson. She's the EVP over at uh, NBC and Alex Duda who is the executive producer slash showrunner, one of the best in the industry. She did Tyra Banks. She did Steve Harvey. And yeah, we launched Kelly Clarkson. Kelly's probably one of the most humble down to earth. Her feet are very well planted on this, on this earth. And we helped launch. I started with the company and with the show in May of 2019. And we launched in fall of 2019. So came on, helped with content, helped with budget, PR, set, marketing, all of that stuff. And listen, it's not, it's not very difficult to launch a show like Kelly because she's such an extremely talented talent. But, you know, we worked on great topics that we knew that were also going to resonate with the, the fan base. And Kelly, you know, Kelly, excuse me, is a singer, songwriter. We, by default, started off the show differently because we had the Kelly Oki. No one else can do that, right? <laughs> um, exactly. You know, the What I'm Liking, which is how you end the show. And, you know, it's her kind of thumb of, you know, steal of approval on what's happening socially. And just all the, all the guests in between. We try to kind of mirror a Graham Norton style in, 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 as far as format where all the guests are on set, right? And they're all part of the couch and they all add to the conversation and to the dialogue. It's another show that's not scripted. She doesn't wear an IFP. She's more the old school kind of cue cards, right? And she's a talker. She can talk her ear <laughs> off, right? I remember at the beginning, we were like, land the plane that would never actually make it to, uh, you know, to air. But we would help her because she's, she's from the South, right? And bless her heart. And she, you know, Kelly can talk. And that's, 
she's just real, right? She's America's first idol. She's a singer, songwriter. She's a mother. She's a producer. She's gone through a divorce. So, you know, she's, she's the real deal. And um, the show is doing great right now. It's in season three. It launched out of, um, you know, New York this past season. It was really developed not only for that space in daytime television, but also to help in the event Ellen went away, which now this is her last season. Hopefully that show will like slide into its place. Right. So that's Kelly. And the team was just awesome. I was reunited with a lot of like set designers and people I had worked with during my time at Telemundo for Levels Kids, which is the voice in Spanish and for kids. And then on the access front, it was also really exciting because we acquired Mario Lopez. As you said, the show went through a major revamp and I was part of that revamp and helping Maureen Fitzpatrick, who's the senior executive producer there, one of the most talented executives and showrunners that I know uh, in the industry as well. She had worked at CBS and done a whole bunch of like true crime and different types of shows and genres. And she put together a stellar team, obviously Kit and Scott and everyone that's there and Zuri and Sibley. And we revamped the show. I'd like to say that it's one of the most diverse shows as far as entertainment news from an ethnicity standpoint, diversification. So it's, it was when I was there, it was Access Hollywood, uh, Access Daily, which is a daytime show, and then Access, uh, another edition that was in the evening. And we were injecting a lot of like true crime. That one is no longer on the air. It's just Access Hollywood, which is the mothership. The show has celebrated, I think they're in their 22nd or 23rd you know, yeah. season. And, you know, they're the show to the, they're, they're the friends with the celebrities. And that's why they get all the exclusives that they do because they're not gossip. And it's very much about come here. It's very protective and it's just a wonderful space. Mario, you know, just upped the bar when he joined the show and he brought everything that he stood for when he was at extra and really complimented Kit and Scott and everyone else really well. And, you know, continued, we went through a revamp. We did a whole brand new set, new graphics package, new team. And, uh, it was a lot of fun. My office was on the 12th lot at the, at the lot there at NBC. And I'd come down every day and be on set between access and, you know, Kelly. And for me, it was a dream job. And when I wasn't doing that and supporting those teams, I was doing development for the company, you know, in talk, like court conflict, a little bit of like uh, reality game. So always looking for the next Who's the next Kelly, right? And yeah. what's the next format that everyone's going to want to watch? And listen, I have nothing but positive things to say about my time at NBC. And NBC is probably one of the best companies I've ever worked for. For me, it was a dream to be working on the lot and with such talented executives and talent. And that's another thing. They really take care of their talent, Jason. It's all yeah. about relationships, right? So it's it's a wonderful company. I still have... I'm, I'm drinking out of my NBC little uh, little water thing here. My You're cooler. still drinking the Kool-Aid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. I still am. I'll probably be drinking it for a couple of years. <laughs> so, Rick, let's talk a little bit about your brand because you've been part of such amazing brands, both both celebrity brands as well as, as TV and, and media brands. Give me three words that describe brand Richard Borjas. Wow. I've never had anyone ask me that question. Brand Richard Borjas, uh, professionalism, tenacity, and hustler. I actually have this. I'm working out of my home office as we speak. And I have this right here and it says, every day I'm hustling. And (laughs) one of my former hosts, George Bernal, who actually hosted 
you know, Suelta la Sopa, which is the Access Hollywood in Spanish. And he was the host for La Voz Kids. He gave me that. And listen, I, I, I say that I'm a hustler in the sense that I am not complacent. Every day I, go, I give 120%. I'm not a person that like lets things come to them. I always go the extra mile. I'm very team driven. I'm always working in a team setting. There is no I for me, it's we. But in this, in this new realm that I'm working in, like you said, as far as my own brand and being my own boss and, and working under my company, which is called Bormont Enterprises, for me, it's that. It's, it's professionalism, it's tenacity, and it's hustling. As, as an entrepreneur, you've got to hustle and you've got to make sure that you know, you're planting your seeds and you're networking and you're always looking on the horizon for your next goal and your next project. As far as professionalism, for me, my professionalism and my relationships are all that I have. Um, yeah. For me, it's all about cultivating relationships, making new ones, but not burning bridges. And I've never done that. Luckily, I think my reputation precedes me. And I'm very much, whether it's with the executives, showrunners, agents, talent, I'm very much a relationship person. And I think that's what makes us good at what we do because you have to have that, you know, that gravitas, right? That personality. I'm very outspoken. I could talk your ear off, Jason. I think you and I are probably in the same <laughs> same realm with that because you're a talker too. Yeah, tenacity. Never give up. Like I, I don't take no for an answer. I, I, I respectfully will take it, but if I feel that I still have a piece of content or a format or anything that I know has potential, I'm going to fight for it, and I'm going to find the right home for it, or I'm going to make, I'm going to help make it come to life. So I think it's all those things that you know, you're respectful and you do what you need to. But for me, I think that's what defines who I am and where I'm at right now in my career. Yeah. And, and Richard, so talk to me. I, I love this notion of being professional, being tenacious, being a hustler. How is it that you hold being professional and tenacious and hustling all at the same time, right? Because we, I know in this business, right, oftentimes we don't like people who are hustlers, right? Like people are overly tenacious. How do you marry professionalism with both of those? Where's the line for you? Yeah, and that's another great question. Listen, it's a very gray line because a lot of people, it rubs people the wrong way to your point, right? So I think that's where I'm so fortunate because of all the roles that I've had, whether it's the executive or the show running, you got to read the room, right? And you got to know when enough is enough. Like, for example, if I were trying to get a format um, picked up, you got to know when to follow up. You got to know when you're having the introductory call. You got to know when you're taking a meeting with the executive or the network, okay, do your research. Are they looking? Is there a need for that specific brand uh, or genre? You know, what is the long-term goal? Is it something that you think could be on the air within the next six months to a year? Or is this something that you're planting a seed and it might come about in the next few years? So it's, it's kind of knowing your audience, right? Reading the room. I can be aggressive when it comes to follow-up, but then you also, people are busy. Since COVID happened, everyone's working remote. Very few companies are back to office the way they were. So it's, you got to take that into account as well. And like, okay, it might take a couple more weeks to hear back from someone and have follow-up. And it's also doing it not just via email or via Zooms. I'm very much a face-to-face person. I like the dialogue when I can, obviously doing the, the Zooms if there's a geographic challenge. But if I can do the meetings face-to-face, I always feel that that, you know, because things sometimes via email can be misinterpreted. Uh, and when you're hustling or when you're just, you know, really, really passionate, right? Because passion can be mistaken for 
being obnoxious or being just a pain in the ass. And you never want to do that. So I think it comes, Jason, to your point with years of experience and just working with, you know, the best of the best in the industry. And I've been fortunate to do that. And, and, and I think it's, it's a matter of bringing all those together and just, you know, knowing when enough is enough. And listen, if you get that email back and they're like, I'm not interested, don't take it personal. It's okay. Well, you may not be interested now. Is there an interest for us to potentially collaborate in the future? Or is this a hard no? And you're going in a different direction. So kind of just understand what the answer is and what you can make of it. Because I've been on both the giving and the receiving end as far as, you know, running and or buying content or producing content, you know, that gives you a, 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 an advantage, right? So yeah. it's a matter of bringing all your skill sets together and then just knowing when enough is enough. It's like the salt and pepper shaker, right? When you're, <laughs> when you're putting the salt on the steak or whatever, you got to know when it's enough. If it's too salty, it's probably not going to be the right course. So it's just finding that balance. Yeah. And talk to me in your career. When was a time when maybe your brand wasn't the right fit for somebody, a team or a show? How did you handle that? What's a time when maybe you got feedback that your authentic self wasn't working in a certain situation? Well, that's, that's, that's funny you ask that because, because I'm Latino, my parents are Cuban and I'm fully bilingual, fully bicultural. We're very much about, we're very expressive. We're very passionate. We talk with our hands. When we see each other in our culture, <laughs> it's very much about a hug or a kiss, you know, not in a disrespectful way. It's just part of our culture. So when I left Telemundo and I went to NBC, that was a little bit of a culture shock for me, not in a bad way, but it was very much like I had to, again, read the room and I had to realize, okay, when is it okay to just say hi from a distance, Right. In the Latino culture, we start our day with coffee and 10 minutes have passed and you're still having coffee. The, the, the general market and the gringos uh, are not like that, right? So it was about, okay, bringing myself down. I'm usually at a 12 and bringing myself down to like a two or a four and reading the room. And for me, it was very much, okay, I don't have to always give a handshake. And for me, it was a sign of respect, right? Yeah. It was also the way I was raised. So, you know, when I walk into a room, I introduce myself, I handshake and or give a hug or a kiss and then obviously with the me too movement and everything you kind of take a step back and especially in my capacity it's very much like okay hi nice to meet you so for me i learned that really quick and i had already worked with nbc quite a bit because you know it's all part of the same portfolio and i had worked like with the today show and a lot of the other you know brand extensions within the company but fully assimilating myself there and being there and taking all the meetings and working with the wonderful talent, it was like, okay, I kind of read the room and I followed their lead. And I had some great leaders that helped me along the way as well. But for me, that was probably one of my greatest wake-up calls where it's like, oh, okay, you know, you're not in Kansas anymore, right? This is how they do it here. <laughs> and just adjust accordingly. But it's great. It's funny because the people that would get to know me they were like, but that's what makes you authentic and, you know, be you, right? Do you. And part of what makes me, me is that what I bring, right? That duality and the cultural aspect and the cafecito, right? So like every day, my colleagues that I was really close with knew that I would make espresso at like 3 p.m. Not that I need it because as you can tell, I'm always hyper, <laughs> but I'm just passionate about life. But at 3 p.m., we'd have a little coffee talk and we'd break and I'd make espresso every day. And, 
we just like chat a little bit, have a little pick me up and finish our day. But it, it, that was a really good lesson. And, you know, it's part of the mentoring that I do because I love to mentor students and people that are new in the industry. I always tell them that you got to read the room and you got to know, okay, like you adjust accordingly, especially when you're in the new kid on the block, right? So that was probably one time, Jason, back to your question where I was like, okay, you can continue to be Rick, but just tone it down a little bit, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> how, how do you adjust those volume dials, right? Bring it down a notch. <laughs> <laughs> so a couple of fun uh, questions for you, Richard. We've been talking all about your brand and the great uh, entertainment brands that you've worked on. What brand are you obsessed with as a consumer? What can't you live without? Oh, my gosh. This is us. And I know it goes back to NBC. But listen, This Is Us, for me, is probably one of the best shows out there. It's written in a way that no other show on television is written the acting, the direction, the cinematography, like for me, it's a guaranteed, like, I know I'm going to cry and it's, it's wonderful. <laughs> On Netflix, I'll stream a lot of Spanish series, but they talk so fast and I understand all of it, but it's like Castilian Spanish. So I'll put the <laughs> subtitles on. Um, I just watched, watched a series called uh, Daphne y las demás, Daphne and the others. And it's great. It's about like six or eight friends all set in Madrid. They're in their mid-30s. And the lead character is trans. And it's amazing, right? And it's her journey, you know, and it's just, it's awesome. I really like to give back. I'm, I'm an openly gay executive myself. I've been with, you know, my husband for 15 years. And anything I can do to support Latinos or any diverse group, whether it's African-American or Asian and or the LGBT community, I always do. So, that actually carries through in not only what I do, but in the consumption to your point of content. So I always try to, you know, to, to keep that in mind when, when I'm consuming content and not yeah. trying to get people to consume mine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Now, if you were a type of car, what type of car would you be? Ooh, a German car. I love German car. I love cars. I've always said that that's my backup. Like the day after tomorrow, if I get bored with television, I'm going to go sell like Lamborghinis or Bentleys. <laughs> um, but I would say a Porsche. Yeah. And why are you like a Porsche? Because again, it's got great pick me up. It goes from zero to 60 very quick, which is me. I, I get there quickly. If you're driving an electronic Porsche, you know, obviously you're doing a lot for the planet, but you know, Porsche stands for quality. It stands for brand. You know, there's brand knowledge, brand awareness, brand loyalty, and it's fast. And it's, 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 it's a, a thrilling type of car. And I think that's what I like to bring to the table. I like to have fun. I work hard. I, I, I work too hard sometimes in life. I've, I've actually missed out on some important stuff. And that's one tip I would say, like, try to keep that work-life balance. It's easier said than done. But being passionate the way I am and giving 120%, you know, being a car like a Porsche, it's just, okay, you know, you're there, but you have, you can continue to grow if that makes sense. But I I think a Porsche stands for all that, um, that I'm trying to do in my own professional career. And finally, Richard, what's the best career advice that you'd like to pass on to our listeners? Yeah. Another great question. Listen, prepare. I think preparing yourself is the most important thing, you know, whether it's an internship, whether it's research, whether it's taking a role that's beneath you that, you know, is going to open one door. Networking is extremely important. Knowing how to take 
a no for an answer. I've had many no's in my career and I haven't taken it personal. It's been, okay, for some reason this is happening, right? So just try to understand why it's happening and what you can learn from it. Knowing when to push, when not to push. But for me, like I said earlier, I love to mentor and I love to really, you know, kind of pay it forward. I didn't have anyone helping me in my career. Uh, I mean, I had a few Xboxes and whatnot, but as, as, as an executive, what I like to do is to prepare the younger generation, as long as they're willing to do the same thing, right? It's got to be a yeah. two-way street. But, you know, I think, you know, showing up on time, being respectful of, others people's, of other people's time, being professional, follow through, you know, do what you say you're going to do. Always send that nice email the day after, or a few hours after that meeting. And, you know, just stay, continue to check in. Because oftentimes people are like, oh, they passed. I'm going to never check in with them. You never know. Check in in a few months. Check in, you know, in six months. And, you know, you might be pleasantly surprised. But, you know, follow through and professionalism is really important in the industry. And it's helped me to get to where I'm at. Well, Richard Borjas, thank you so much for sharing all of your great insights today. It was great seeing you. The same. It was my pleasure. Thank you so much for your time. And congratulations to you. You are like rocking it, my man. Uh, Keep up the great work. And it was a pleasure. And again, you represent us all very well. Uh, Thank you, Richard. And we'll be back in just a few moments with my final thoughts. Are you tired of not being recognized for your work? Are you ready to rise above the rest and accelerate to the next level? The Lead With Your Brand Career Breakthrough Mentoring Program will help you take control of your career, develop your own unique brand, and catapult you to a whole new level of success. You are a top performer, and the Lead With Your Brand Career Breakthrough Mentoring Program is what you need to get you there. Visit leadwithyourbrand.com to learn how. Wow, what an amazing conversation with Richard Borjas, the showrunner and CEO of Bormont Enterprises. You know, Richard had so many great, fabulous Hollywood tales, but you know, the thing that really stood out to me in terms of thinking about your superpowers and your tailwinds and your headwinds was that whole story about really relocating and moving from Miami to Los Angeles and thinking about some of those amazing superpowers that made him so successful in his previous roles, he realized maybe they were a little bit too loud for his new organization and the new teams he worked with. I really love for us to remember that sometimes our great tailwinds, when they're used too much or become too loud for the situation, sometimes they become those headwinds that drag us back. So always remember, you are authentic and you want to show up as the best authentic self you can be in that situation. So remember, it's about the right behavior at the right time with the right level of volume and intensity. Well, that's our show for you today. If you loved what you heard, make sure that you are following us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts, and we'll deliver a brand new, exciting show every single Tuesday. Now, check me out on social media. I'm at Jason Patria on all platforms, and check me out on LinkedIn, where I share tons of tips and tricks on how to lead with your brand to your next career breakthrough. And most importantly... 
Make sure in your career, you're not a boring old commodity like coffee. Make sure you are a super premium brand like Starbucks. You've been listening to Lead With Your Brand, the podcast that explores and uncovers exceptional career success stories and inspiring personal brand journeys with your host, personal branding expert, diversity advocate, and keynote speaker, Jason Patria. Remember to subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Visit us at leadwithyourbrand.com.